Thank you for tuning in to Trevor Talks Podcast, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. And boy, do we have an amazing guest for us today. Today, we're going to be talking with the host of Knights at the Round Table and former frontman of the five-time Dove Award-winning band, Group One Crew. Today, we got Mr. Manuel Reyes on the show. Manuel, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us today. And I'm excited for this conversation, dude. You're you're killing it now. You've had uh, music coming out over the past year under Manuel. You've done Pandas. You've been acting. You've just been all over the place, man. Yeah, man. It's been a good. It's been a good time, man. Good ride. Super grateful, bro. How has this pandemic been in LA? How's it been, man? It's you know, it's. I'm always careful when I talk about it because uh, I know it's been hard for a lot of people, and and my heart goes out to everyone that it's hit them really hard. But I can only speak like the truth of my life, and it's been amazing for cause me and my wife were planning on taking the year off anyways. We made that decision last year. So we were like, let's just take the year off and just freaking chill. Yeah. And then this happens and we're like, Oh snap, we were ahead of the curve. So we already have this whole thing planned out. So it's been, it's been quite refreshing and it's, it's, there's so many re- re- like revelations that God has given me as, as I'm going through it. And I'm just like, man, Every, there's a lot of things that I cared about before that I no longer care about. So mm. I'm like, I'm just so grateful for this time. You know? Dude, that's awesome. And now we're sitting here at the tail end of September. How have you seen a change since the pandemic hit? Obviously everything shut down. Has everything started opening back up or how's it looking in Hollywood? I mean, it's people are, people are out, you know, people are out. There's a lot of small businesses that still aren't open up, but all the outdoor malls are open. Um, a lot of businesses are figuring a way to make it happen. You know, I think it's, mm. I think it's the curious thing is how many businesses are realizing that they don't need the brick and mortar vibe in order to succeed. You know, I have a lot of friends who are thriving that their business is doing even better. So I think it's just a redefinition that's going on over here. And even when Hollywood starts picking up, my wife has been doing that, but just like zoom auditions or taped auditions. And, and it's, it's been it's been interesting, man. How, how I don't think, I don't think Hollywood will stay down too long. I think they're going to figure it out because it's too much money out there for them to not figure it out. But I think it's going to redefine how even moving forward, like even if COVID goes away or we have a vaccine, I think they're going to find a way and, and probably keep it because it's going to be easier and more cost effective, you know? Yeah. And here in Atlanta, I know Tyler Perry studios has like a bubble going on where you can't leave, can't get out type thing. Do you see that happening in Hollywood at all? No, not really. I have friends that are more so going to work and, and just, they have to get checked a lot. You know, they're getting a lot of tests. I have a friend that produces for the mass singer and a couple other shows. And he's just like, we're constantly being checked and everybody's just insanely careful. Like they take it so serious. So that's more of what's going on over here. God, I got you, man. And you have seen wild success in your life. Group one crew, like I said, nine double award nominations, five wins, Wild success there. It's almost like y'all became the face of the Christian music scene there for the longest time. And just like the shirt I just showed you, like I had no clue. I even still had that, but Group One Crew's on there. So I've seen you live before. It was an amazing show and God's definitely given you a gift. And I want to hear the story behind like, where did Manuel come from? What was your background like? Were you always a Christian? Did you always have that strong faith? Were you always a musician? Like from the beginning, where would you start your story? 
I mean, my dad was in the military, so I kind of grew up everywhere. Um, I was born and raised in Germany mm. and uh, moved to the States. I was in Kansas, Texas, and then he finally retired in, in Florida. And so I was what they would call, I was always like a really smart dude, great, great grades, but I was completely the class clown. And it was very selfish of me because I would act, I would understand what was being taught. And then once I understood it, then I would check out and disrupt everyone else. Like I didn't care if anyone else was learning. As long as I understood it, I'm good. And now I'm going to cut up. So I wasn't the best classmate, but um, I ended up when I went to Orlando and my dad retired, uh, we didn't have no money. He spent all the money we have for college on buying a house. And we just uh, were super broke. And me coming out of the military into this place where labels and fashion was a thing, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to interact with these people. So I quickly got into robbing and stealing and and living this life that I deep down was never who I was, but um, I got into it so that I can afford clothes. That's Mm -hmm. literally, it sounds so lame, but I just wanted to fit in. So I started robbing people and making money that way to, to just buy nice clothes. And that led me down to even, you know, a worse path, which that was from middle school all the way to my senior year of high school where I was, I was in deep, you know? And then that's when I found God senior year of high school, went to a church camp, got saved. It's crazy. Cause at that point I was still like, I didn't really believe in anything. You know, I was the closest thing to Jesus was my, my big gold pendant that I had. <laughs> I would rock on my Cuban links chain. And then that was it. And I found God in the realest way. And then it was a wrap after that, my senior year, I mean, I went from the most popular kid to like the most tolerated kid, but it didn't affect me. Cause I was just like, nah, I'm doing some, I'm doing some dope right now with purpose. And it, it just didn't matter that I fell off because I fell off hard. When nobody trying to mess with me. And to this day, though, I laugh because I look back and I'm like, you know, I'm where nobody is. Nobody, everybody stayed in the same spot. So I'm like super grateful that I was able to maintain some self of uh, some type of self identity and realization. Like I just believed it. Like when it happened, I believed it and there was no going back. And I had this insane thing that if I'm going to do something, I need to be the best at it. I just yeah. need to be the best. So when it came to Christianity, I was like, I just need to be the best at this thing, you know? So I attacked it with that. And from then on, you know, stumbled through stuff. Like, like you already know, I started a group in uh Bible college called XYC. When that fell apart, I did a solo record. Then I got out and I started group one, which was 13 of us. When that all fell apart, I did another solo record. Then I got found by my manager on MySpace, And he was like, if you could put together a group, I think I can get you signed. So I called Pablo and Blanca and they were in Chicago. And I was like, we can put this fleece before God. We'll fly out there. We didn't practice. We didn't have anything together. Cause like I said, everybody quit. They quit and yeah. went to Chicago. And I was like, we could do this. We'll show up. I'll throw some verses on some beats that you got Pablo. And, and if this crap works, this was God because this should not work. Literally, at this point, we have not seen each other in a year. Yeah. So I was just like, God, I don't want this. Cause I was pissed. I was like, all these people left me, man. Like I, I created a group one record. I created, 
I did all, put all this money into it and everybody just quit and left. And so I was like pissed. I was like, man, I'm not gonna, I don't want this God, but I want what you want more than I want what I want. So I'll, I'll entertain this cause it came out of nowhere. I'll get on a plane. This will be hilarious if we can even pull this off. But if they sign us over this, then that's you telling me you definitely want me to put myself on a back burner and just do this group thing. And sure enough, we go there. We like fake two, three songs, never performed it in our life together, never practice it. We were just like, if this works, this will be God. And sure enough, we got on that stage and we did this little showcase and they freaking signed us. And I was like, that was it. How well, old were you when you started toying around with music and lyrics? Man, I started off a dancer. That was my main thing. And then I started rapping like ninth grade. Wow. Did you dance professionally at all? Nah, I was just oh. a kid just trying yeah. to copy Michael Jackson and break dancing and all that stuff. And, but music didn't start till ninth grade. And I would just, I would listen to lyrics. I would listen to uh, songs and I would write them. I would write them out and then read w- along with the song. And that's how I used to learn my raps until one day me and my homeboys were like, let's just start a rap group. And we started a rap group called Three to Hard Way. And this was back when cameras were, you hold them on your shoulders. Oh no, man. <laughs> we're recording our stuff, making our own music video and rapping. And I was the only one that kept going. Like, I just, I kept going. It was you crazy. never saw an end for you. I just, I don't know. It was weird, man. I just, I just picked it up and just never stopped again. Like when I do something, I just want to be the best at it. So to me, yeah. I, if I'm not amazing at it, then um, I feel like a failure. So I just attacked it and just got really good and, and never, and never left me. And that led me into one thing after another, you know? So you did the whole winter jam thing. You had, like I said, nine Dove Award nominations, five mm-hmm. wins. You you were the face of Christian music there for a good while. And when it I'll came time, I was yeah. getting there. I think, I think Toby's always been the face, but I was. I, we were getting there. We were supposed to. Bro, we were who's supposed Toby to Mac? The mantle. <laughs> who's Toby Mac? No, I'm just kidding. Um, so when it comes down to it, when you saw Group One Crew starting to end, what was going through your mind? Well, when we lost Pablo, that was kind of like a, you know, it was, we didn't lose him. We decided that it would be best if he wasn't um, in it anymore and he went to go focus on his life. And then me and B had our biggest album once he left, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when B said she wanted to do her thing, uh, I always knew, like, it was always the plan was for her to go do her thing. Uh, but it just happened a little prematurely. Sure. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. Like I'm, oh, I'm always down. The whole reason I did this was because I just wanted to help people. Mm-hmm. And so when it started, you know, that whole thing ended kind of sour. We're awesome now. It ended sour, but now her and I are amazing again. Um, but the thoughts that were going through my head were more like. I don't need to keep doing this. Cause at that point I've grown kind of tired of the Christian industry, mm-hmm. not Christians per se. Cause I the understand the industry still, behind it. Yeah. We're still family, but there's a, there's a different kind of fan. There's a, there's a, there's an industry side, which is Christians don't know it, but there's an industry side that is like, this is the kind of music you need to make to win. 
Then there's an industry fan side. And those are the people that truly think that this thing is all ran by the spirit of Jesus. And it's like, they swear that this is, this is how it is. It's, it is all, you know, songs get on radio because people pray them on and, and the best song or the most spiritual song is the song that always goes number one. And it's the farthest thing from the truth. Hmm. Um, it's more about business at the end of the day. And so when I, when I was on my way out, I was asking God, I was like, man, I don't need to do this anymore. God, I don't need the money. I don't need the headache. Um, I'll just do it if there's purpose. I just want to stay if there's purpose. That's it. Um, and so I started losing my, my desire for it because uh, I did a tour with my wife. Uh, she did this character, Bunquiqui, and I wrote a record for it. Got her signed to Warner Brothers and everything. And so we did this tour. And the tour was crazy dope. And I remember there was a show in San Francisco. Or the whole tour was clubs and theaters. Uh, we did a show in San Francisco and I posted just like a 15 minute, a 15 second clip. And the comment sections lit up. Like it was just so many Christians talking about, I can't believe you're doing shows in clubs now. And you know, that's so not God. And did it. I mean, just lit it up, went in on my wife and all this stuff. And, and I remember that was the same show where we were outside after the show was done. And I was preaching to about 30 or 40 people at that, right by my bus, telling them about Jesus and leading them to the Lord. And, and the comment section, these wannabe Christians are literally condemning me that I am not a Christian anymore while I'm outside witnessing to these people and people of all shapes, all colors, all sexual orientation. It didn't matter who it was. They were sitting there listening to me, tell me, tell them about Jesus. And that's when I knew that this whole industry and this whole fan thing was foolish. That's how I knew I was like, this ain't real God. This is not real, man. These people are not tuned into you. They're not like speaking for you. I used to think that when I, when I wrote a song and they didn't like it, it was because there wasn't enough Jesus in it. And now I'm like, nah, these people aren't looking for Jesus. They're looking for something to soothe their insecurities and make them feel better about themselves. That's what they're looking for. They're listening to music selfishly. If it doesn't feed them, they're not looking at music to see this will feed one of my brothers and sisters and need to hear it. They're looking at it like this don't feed me. Ergo, this is not Christian. And I'm like, since when was your Christian walk all about you? If there's somebody doing something that can help somebody else, you're supposed to be your responsibility is to encourage that because it's reaching someone. These people just wanted you to cater to them. And that's when I knew that this was all a hoax. And if it was going to be a hoax and this is all about business and this is about this and that, this is what it is about. Then I don't want to be a part of it. Let me just go make music that I want to make. I don't want to have to like tailor my life so that these people won't get offended. They're going to get offended no matter what, you know, they don't even have to know the truth. And they got offended literally. So I'm like, my mind started drifting to like, Jesus, what's real. Like, what is real music that is for you? Because it ain't this, man. It ain't this. I have a feeling that you want more authenticity than you want 
third verse is that wrap up the Jesus narrative really quick. And that's literally what it was. I would write songs where the third verse didn't wrap up where Jesus came and saved the day. And those songs were more frowned upon. Hmm. It just wasn't, it wasn't the, the formula. And I'm like, but some people are in life where their third verse doesn't wrap up nice. Their third verse, they pray and the person still dies. Their third verse is they pray and they still get left by their husband or their wife. That's their third verse. Yeah. You don't have a pretty ribbon. There's no bow at the end of it. It's like, no, life sucks and it still sucks right now. I'm still choosing Jesus, but life still sucks, bro. And there's no wrap up third verse where it all gets pretty. So it's like, I want to write that kind of music. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's what I did. I was like, I'm out. Yeah. I'm out and I'm never going back. You can pay me to go back. You couldn't. You couldn't. Nah. Like when it came down to it, that, the Bonquiqui tour, that was a bigger ministry opportunity than arenas full of Christians. Oh, it was crazy. I would it- much rather on a personal level, I would much rather tour bars and clubs and theaters than arenas full of Christians. And it's not because I dislike Christians. It's I love Christians. I'm a Christian. I love Jesus with my whole heart. But when it comes down to it, like I feel called to share my story of overcoming anxiety, overcoming depression. And I share things that aren't pretty about my life. I'm very vulnerable about mental health. I got roasted by a family member for posting a video of me bawling my eyes out because I had a panic attack and I was being vulnerable with people. Like I'm trying to, I live in Georgia. Toxic masculinity is huge here. Like everybody's supposed to be big and buff and wearing Georgia boots and camo and bro, like I'm gonna pull up with purple hair and some skinny jeans on. Let's go. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. you know, when I started becoming like the person that God's created me to be, it's like, everybody's like, he don't need to be in this church. He's got purple hair. Like, what's this? And when it comes down to it, like, I've never felt more secure than around people that know exactly what I've been through, but are still working to get there. Like, at the end of the day, God's going to be the full circuit center of why I do what I do. But ministry is not meant to stay within the church walls. That's what's been so ironic to see churches thriving during a pandemic. Or you see churches that struggled and then they figured out like, oh, like people are still going to need church even though they're locked in their houses. You can't meet, meet in the brick and mortar, but we have to go out. And instead of spending $100,000 on marketing your church service for Christmas time, like they got hit with them in the middle of May. Tithing isn't coming in. It's like, oh, what's going on? And what was going on is you're marketing these big priester like uh, Christmas and Easter holidays. Where's the Where's the discipleship at? Where's the follow up at during the year? Like, are you just going to market in the big ticket, like tithing coming in to pay the mortgage of the church? Where in the Bible does it say your church has to have a mortgage? Where in the Bible is that you have to have a building? These people were meeting with, man, look, I love church because I got saved in one, right? But when Jesus gave the command to make disciples, he said, go out and make disciples. He never said, You got to bring them back and keep them here because their job was to make a disciple. And then that disciple was supposed to go make a disciple. And it was always supposed to be this extension. It wasn't supposed to be this thing where we gather. And I laugh because when it comes to the churches, I'm like, man, I travel to a lot of churches, bro. And I've seen a lot of tithes and offerings come in. And when you biblically talk about the tithe, the tithe is a specific thing. This is not a figurative thing. We use it figuratively now 
but it literally meant bring food into the storehouse. They always, they always quote Malachi. It literally was bring food into the storehouse. The tithe happened like one, uh, they happen once a year. Uh, there was three different tithes, I believe. One, two of them happened once a year. One happened every seven years. And the only time the, the tithe ever got turned into money was when you had too much uh, food or, or barley or too much, you didn't have any, enough animals to carry the food to Jerusalem in, in order to you know feed the priests because that's what they used to feed the poor and to feed themselves. So you're literally bringing food into the storehouse. So the equivalent of today would be, okay, pay tithes, but then every single church is supposed to have a storehouse. Hmm. Every church is supposed to have a food bank. If every church had a food bank, there would be no welfare. People wouldn't need uh, government money or government cheese. If every church used their tithes for a storehouse, food, they would be feeding the community. We would be the reason that people, that's what was the whole point. Feed the poor with your tithes. Mm -hmm. But we're taking tithes and we're, you know, million dollar billings, million dollar sound systems, paying worship leaders, which look, I have a lot of worship worship leaders get paid. I'm not saying you shouldn't get paid. I'm just saying this is now a commodity. This is now a thing where it's like, yeah, you got a big bill, but I don't know. And I don't know. I'm not saying, look, if you're hearing me talk, I'm not saying I know what's right and what's wrong. And I'm not saying all churches are bad or whatever. I'm not saying any of that. All I'm saying is that in my measly, feeble understanding of the scripture and what I saw happen, Hmm. church was never contained in a building. Hmm. Church was a gathering of believers who shared life. Like they did life and it had nothing to do with the building. It had everything to do with, are we willing to walk with each other in life, good and bad, didn't matter what it was, but we're willing to share life with each other. And then in that become a witness to one another that became the real thing. And I think that's what COVID is showing, which, cause there's churches that are thriving. There's churches that are, they're getting more tithe than ever, but because they had a strong community because their, their people are still uh, getting fed because they were built into a real community. We actually care about each other. It wasn't no Sunday service thing. And that's why I haven't, I have a church out here that I, uh, one church is my, my homeboy is a pastor. And I love him. Pastor Torre, um, love him to death, but we commune on a personal level. Mm. You know, I haven't been to church in a long time and it's really, you know, the reason was not because I, I don't like church, but it's because typically when I go and we're doing like, you know, artificial highs and artificial buys, Hey, hi, you know, but no one's asking you, how is life? I want to yeah. know what is going on. I, I want to know just in case you need help, I want to be there to help you. That's not the kind of conversations I'm having. So really, you know, I wasn't doing church. I was yeah. doing, I was doing a concert and I was yeah. doing a preaching. If I want to hear the preach, I can just log in online. If I want to hear the concert, I can just throw on the CD, you know, like I can do my worship here. The one thing that you can't do when the Bible says, don't forsake the meeting of the brethren, that's actual life together. That's saying, don't forsake one another because that's when you're, that's when you have strength is when you're together, when you're actually doing life together. Don't be a a lone wolf. You won't make it. Yeah. So I have found my church 
through the the people that are around me, through my friends that we all love God and we're doing life together. And now I'm like, oh, I don't feel like I need America's version of church. I stay in touch with my pastor. I talk to three different pastors to stay accountable, my accountability around the country. And I run everything through them, you know? So yes, it's a different world. And I think this thing is going to show people you do not need you do not need the church that you were sold that you needed. Yeah. You need the community that you were not sold on. Mm-hmm. So it's it's going to be interesting, man. I want to talk about the feeling that you had outside of the venues when you were on the Bunk Weekly tour. What feeling did you feel going through your body when you were able to preach to those 30 and 40 people compared to doing one of those sold out arena Christian events? Did you feel a difference or was it more so like I found purpose here again? Um, at that moment I found purpose again. I felt purpose when I was doing the arenas, when I was doing the Christian shows, like I took, because honestly to be 100, my favorite part was the in between the songs. Yeah. When I got to tell people what God was doing on my heart, that was my favorite part. Everything else was more like I'm performing and maybe you'll like it. Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll like this song. Maybe you won't. But I was always so confident in what God was doing in my heart. So confident that if you heard me talk, you would know, oh, this dude loved Jesus. Like this dude is connected. He's, he's tapped in because I am. And that was the only thing that I could really draw confidence from. So when I got the chance to do it again, I only feel purpose and I feel in my element because I'm just being honest with what God's doing. And I'm not claiming to be the best theologian. I'm not claiming to be, I know the word more than anyone else, or all I'm claiming is God is doing stuff for me. I just want to tell you about it. And if you believe it, cool. If you don't cool, I love you anyways. Like you don't need to believe what I do. You don't need to believe any of it, but I know that my goal is that when you leave me, you will believe that I care about you. Mm. You will believe that I love you. That's why me and my wife, our fan base is diversifying. You know, we don't, we don't really see color and we don't see sexual orientation. We don't see any of that. We just see people. And it's really amazing to be able to, um, to be able to, uh, interact with those people. And hi guys, I'm doing a live zoom, um, to interact with these people and, and it'd be like, beautiful because for me like i used to be real staunch and real like heavily like christianese man i was i was very judgmental i was very i went to bible college so i was well versed well studied and i thought that as long as i'm smarter than everyone and i can out argue everyone that it would be a good look and then i started realizing i'm just pushing people away because i don't have love like i don't i don't think these people think that i love them I just think they think I'm happy when I win an argument when I'm right. And that made me feel horrible because I'm losing people left and right. Like I may be winning arguments, but I'm not winning people to Jesus. That's why I laugh at all these internet trolls. I'm like, I will promise you all of you haters online to be talking all this crap, trying to judge people from afar, trying to talk all this nonsense. Ain't nobody ever come to Jesus from one of your freaking nasty comments online. Mm. nobody's ever hit you up like i really love how you went at that guy i really want to know the god that you serve 
Yeah. Cause I'd love to go after people like you do. Yeah. I'd love to tear them down. Like you do, even though I know nothing, bro, there's this revelation I got yesterday. I was listening to Richard Rohr and, um, I, I usually do my studies in the morning and we were studying Lucifer, right? The term Lucifer in the Bible, you know, we've made it, we've made him into a personhood. There's this guy, yeah. this is me being theoretical. This is me thinking out of the box. When he was, when we were just breaking down what Lucifer actually meant in the Hebrew and in the Greek, Lucifer actually meant Satan actually meant, and you've heard this before. It means the accuser. That's what it means. Literally. It just means the accuser. So you could be Satan. If you are engaging in accusing me of something, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. When Christ left, he did what? He left the spirit of God, right? He left the Holy Spirit. He's like, there's going to be someone that I leave with you. That's going to be able to be with you no matter what I have to go. So he's going to be able to be with all of us at the same time, which makes me think, is that the same thing that happened when Satan got thrown from heaven? He ceased to exist to be this, this thing that was a very real thing. And now he exists in spirit in the form of accusation because that's all he can do. He can't make us do anything. He can only accuse us to God. Look at your servant. Like he did with Job. Look at your servant. Look, look what they're doing. Look what they're doing. What is that? The spirit of these internet wannabe Christian police, Mm. they will accuse people without any type of knowledge of their life. They don't lead with, how are you doing with the Lord? I see you're doing something new and different. Is it working? Do you see any fruit? Is God doing anything in your ministry? I see that you're doing this. You took a right turn and I don't understand it, but is God working in it? Like, is he doing anything? You'll never hear that. You'll hear, I'm disgusted. This person is not a Christian anymore. Oh, he doesn't serve God. He said a cuss word. He don't love Jesus. The spirit of accusation. That's all they're doing is accusing. They're literally moving in the spirit of the demonic. Because that's all the enemy has. He can't define our identity because Christ is our identity. But he can accuse us to make us believe that we are all these things. And these people think that they're fighting a righteous fight. They think that they're, they're doing something righteous by trying to call out what they believe is not Christian. And all they're doing is ushering the spirit of accusation because they have no knowledge. They're not walking with these people. They're not walking with you. They're not walking with me. They're assuming that your purple hair or your skinny jeans means that you're, you're this thing or your vulnerability. You're this thing. They're assuming with me, oh, he's doing this now. He didn't, I haven't heard him say Jesus in one song that he's released in the last year and a half. And they're like, man, I miss group one crew. And I'm like, bruh, you don't know how close I am to God right now. But you're assuming me of something. It's like if they want to listen to Group One Crew, they can go listen to Group One Crew. They can go stream it. But if they want to hear from Manuel, they can go listen to Manuel too. And one of the things that has really been encouraging to hear you say is like so many people out there are making Satan to be this person. Like even on, I I think it's on Netflix, there's a show called Lucifer and they're making him out to be like an actual person. And it's like... I mean, I understand it's art and entertainment and everything, but at the end of the day, like what you're putting into your mind and your ears, like it's going to come out of your mouth. Like 
God can do amazing things through people and give them these amazing opportunities and visions and just ideas kind of like you with music. He gives you the lyrics, you put them out. But so many people hear from God and write it off because they feel like they're not good enough. They're not good enough to fulfill God's calling on their life. They're not good enough to do this. They're not good enough to do that. And I know that because I've struggled with that. Like, who am I to be able to tell someone that they can overcome their issues with Jesus? Or who am I to tell someone that their depression can be healed? Like, now, am I saying, like, Benny Hinn's going to come slap you in the face and you're going to be healed? No. Like, there are a lot of things that go into it when it comes down to mental health specifically. Like, sometimes there's medication that needs to be involved in psychiatrists and therapy. But God can find healing there. There. Like you can sure. be healed. And even in the past few years, we've seen an increase in suicide rates around the world, especially during with men um, and even pastors like pastors are people, too. And we put them on this platform to be like Jesus. And it's like they need Jesus just as much. as We need Jesus. They're mess. They're being they're acting as a messenger, but they need support, too. So when people put you on this platform that like you're supposed to be like Jesus and it's like, man, well, it's called to be a build disciples. But does it say specifically like God's going to use this person to do it and not this person? No, like we're all built to be disciples. Mm-hmm. We're all built to create disciples. So when it comes down to it in Christianity, you you feel like you're more in tune with God now than you ever have, correct? I get it now, bro. I, you know, when it comes to, I, I was telling you prior to us, you know, pushing record that God has given me a gift of grace. I believe it's complete a grace because I, I don't do this to people. I don't go after people. You could be my boy and I just found out you cheated on your wife and you were the pastor of this big church and I would be like, bro, you doing all right? You ain't going to hear me freaking be like, oh man, I can't believe you. It will never happen because I know the measure in which I judge someone, I will be judged in return. So anybody who wants to judge and look down and if somebody makes a mistake, cool, you do that. That measure will be turned on you. I really hope you got no skeletons. Hmm. I will never, I will never sow that into the earth because I know I'm I'm hanging on by grace and grace alone. So I'm not going to sow any type of self-righteousness. I just understand now more than ever that this thing we call a walk with God has nothing to do with what we've made it. Mm. This, this quest to do right, to be right. This idea that we are interpreting everything correctly. I'm like, guys, look, even scholars will tell you they've, they've studied books for years and all they are giving you is their best hypothesis because none of us were there. We are just trusting that all of this stuff is real, but we cannot say it happened. That's why we have to call it faith. But what we are admitting to the world is that, hey, we can't prove this. Yeah. We could be wrong. Yeah. But we are choosing to put our faith in something. So if that's where our foundation of Christianity is starting, then why the pride? Why the haughtiness? Why the accusation? Why the anger? Why are we mad at everyone? Why are we trying to tell everyone that they're not doing it right? I, on my podcast, it's something that I started saying. I was like, guys, I will never say I'm right anymore. Hmm. The only thing I would say is, this is what I think today. Please check with me in a week. 
because I may think differently. Please check back in a year. Do not hold these words against me. Because when I first got saved, bruh, I was so anti-gay. You want to know why? Because I didn't know no gay people. And the whole church told me that they were bad. So my thought was bad, gay, bad. That's, that was my thought. And nobody better take a freaking sound clip of that. My, 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 my understanding was that because I didn't know nobody that was gay. Then I marry a, a wife who literally half of the family is gay. And that's not an exaggeration. I'm talking about half of the family is gay. Wow. And now I am family members and I'm learning them and I'm loving them. And when I say learning, I'm learning them as people. I'm not learning them as like coming into it like, oh, I'm spiritual Manuel and I'm going to, you know, no, I'm falling in love with these people because they're my family. And then I start feeling shame at the way that I used to think. Why do you think the church took that approach? I don't feel like at the end of the day, like go and make disciples. It, I, I mean, in the Bible, yes, it says homosexuality is a sin in uh, different places, but why does the church make it a point not to welcome the LGBTQ community into their church doors? I think it's, it's just, it's if for we, we feel out of all the amb- ambiguity in the Bible that is out of all the gray that is in the Bible. I feel like the church feels at their strongest when they're drawing big, bold, black and white lines. And if we can hold on to something that says a clear don't, then we don't want to understand it. We don't want to ask the question. We don't want to dig. And I did a podcast on this where I brought my friend on who was married to a woman doing ministry, like give it, gave it a go, was married for like 12 years, had a kid and everything. And, but he was gay. And I was like afraid to do a podcast with them, not because I'm afraid to associate with them because I already do. I promote his music. I love him to death. But I was afraid of what people would say because I didn't have an answer for them. Mm. I didn't have an answer. I didn't have a, no, I know exactly what this means or I don't know exactly what's going to happen. But what I did know is like, I love this dude. I don't care what you think about his lifestyle. What I know is I love him. And I want him to share his story because I feel like his story will touch someone. I don't know who it will touch. Lo and behold to me, the amount of emails I got from moms, from moms whose children, they just recently found out are gay. And they confessed, we were staunch Christian moms. We were the ones that are like, sorry, if you're gay, you're going to hell. Sorry. Then all of a sudden, little Johnny and little Susie is like, hey, mom, I'm gay. And then I'm getting messages like, please, please tell me that there's a way around this because I can't go to my church with this. I know what they're going to say. So I have moms pleading with me to find them a loophole. And these were the same moms before knowing that their kids were gay. They were like, no gay, no gay, which... I, I didn't revel in that, but it blew my mind that that was even a person that existed out there. I didn't even think yeah. about it. But that's the beauty of telling your story. And you people come out of the woodwork, they're like, yo, this is hurting me now because I can't look my kid in the face and say, sorry, Jesus don't love you. You're going to hell. Yeah. I'm like, it's a lot harder now. Huh? 
It's a lot harder when you choose to separate humanity, understanding, grace, actual love for people. When you take that out, sure, you can be that person that's judging and and being so angry because you're not choosing to live life with them. You're not choosing to love them. You're not choosing to walk with them. You're choosing to leave them over there and you're over here and you're better and they're not and you got it right and they don't. I just don't see, I just don't see God in that. I'm yeah. sorry. And I, and I, and, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe choosing love, maybe just loving everyone isn't the way I just, I just feel like, I just feel like if Jesus was here today, I just don't think he would be drawing those black and white lines that we're drawing, man. Yeah. And, and again, it's like, I just find so much, and I'm not here to debate like theology, like, I see when, whenever I'm asked, I never want to say something just out of pure emotion for like, I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. Like I do believe everything in the Bible is good and true. If you have questions about it, ask God, he'll reveal it to you. We're not, we're here to share um, the truth and our beliefs. But when it comes down to it, like you don't have to agree with everything that everybody has going on in their life. Like what, what trips me out about 2020 in general and politics like if you get on facebook and there's a amazing documentary on netflix right now called the social dilemma freaking amazing it really pinpoints right on the head like and no shade on facebook or anything but like all of these platforms that our parents and everybody is using are catering to your beliefs. Like, so let's say you're a hardcore Joe Biden supporter, LGBTQ, like that's all you're going to see on your feed is stuff going against uh, conservative Republicans. If you're a conservative Republican, you're going to see everything that you want to see. And so therefore everybody is living in a different world because everybody's spending six to seven hours of their day scrolling through their phone, reading what they want to read. Yeah, there's no divide. Like the only thing they see is this person's wrong. This person's wrong. Donate to our campaign and we'll fight this. Donate like that's all you're seeing. And like uh, when the whole Black Lives Matter thing came, I had a lot of people. I got invited to speak at a Black Lives Matter rally and I went and shared the gospel and like uh, just trying to bring unity and peace to things that could turn into like violent situations. And when I was when I did that and pictures and stuff came out of it, so many people, family, friends, like either disowned me, sent me a Candace Owens video, no shit on Candace Owens. I don't know her. Um, but like they were sending me all these videos of even uh, black people like defending hardcore, hardcore conservative views. And it's like, why are you sending me that? Mm -hmm. Do I make you feel uncomfortable? If so, great. Like I'm challenging your thoughts. That's what I want to do. But I went out there not knowing, like I live in a really redneck part of the world. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I know God told me to go. And if we don't live an uncomfortable lifestyle, what are we doing? I have more anxiety when I'm sitting here, like doing nothing than I'm jumping. Like for somebody with anxiety and panic disorder, jumping on a stage every night, like that's not part of the equation, but God God, CBD, a good therapist. We're good. Like God can use people that struggle with anxiety to talk about anxiety while struggling with anxiety. Like I I don't want them to be a perfect person, Um, but he's called me to do that. So who am I to say no? Like I might be puking the day before I have to hop on a plane, but let's do it. Like I was always fight through it. Anytime, you know, when you talk about toxic masculinity, when you talk about anxiety, when you talk about those things, 
those are all things that I dealt with on a very real level because, you know, trying to make myself a thug, which is what I was doing because it was all money-based. I just yeah. I was trying to make myself a thug, but deep down I was not a thug. I was a lover. You know what I'm saying? Like I can't I see to, you being a hood rat, bro. I can't bro, see it. I can't see you holding a gun. I can't see you robbing nobody. Oh my You're God. a soft heart. I'm super, super soft of a heart. And I was, and I was that guy. I was, I was robbing people, but I was coming home, like feeling like, oh man, you know, like I feel so bad. I couldn't do it. And I was aching to get out. Cause I remember that there was a moment in time when we got into stealing cars and oh, I was man, like, man. yo, we're, I'm like, there's real time. If I go down this road, we're talking about grand theft auto. We're talking about like, this is like real time. This isn't me stealing a pager out of your book bag. You know what I'm saying? Like this is this automobile. This is real time. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to have to make a decision because if I go this way, then I'm choosing to turn my emotions off. I'm choosing to be that hardcore criminal because you can't engage in that lifestyle and still care. You just can't. And that's when I found, that's when I found God. But the whole time there was this idea of what a man was supposed to be and what I, I was supposed to be as a man. And I just came to myself and I, I came to myself quickly because again, I think this is a gift. People have confused it in the past of me being cocky or, or conceited, but I have this insane amount of confidence in myself. Like it's insane. Like no one's ever like had to push me to do anything. I just believe I am the, like, I think I'm so dope. And I get this source from, from who God has made me to be. And I know deep down, like when I lean into something, I lean into God that I have purpose that when I speak, I'm speaking with authority. So that's why I have so much confidence. So I started embracing the person that I was, you know, if I, if if we're going to a movie, I'd rather watch a romantic comedy than an action any day. I'd rather go shopping than, you know, play sports. I'd rather, you know, I don't, I used to change my oil. I don't cause I can afford not to right now. And I just don't care. You know, the most manly thing I'll do is wash my car. And maybe if I were feeling real manly, I'm going to wax it. But that's about it. You know what I'm saying? Other than that, it's like you'd look at me and be like, when I went to Bible college, everyone thought I was gay because I'm wearing capris and sandals and cut off sleeves and and I cut hair. So people used to, you know, think I was gay. And even I did a video with my wife. We did a newlywed video. And if you go look in the comment section of the newlywed video, um, which I did once, and I don't know why I did this, but overwhelming amount of people that were like, oh, we're going to watch this thing fail. She's going to hate it when she finds out he's gay. Like, I mean, a lot of comments. People have accused or thought she was a lesbian in the past. Yeah. Yeah. She makes jokes about it. Yeah. But, I don't. I, I watched that video. I was like, I guess it's my the pitch of my voice, my mannerisms, or whatever. But it was so many people that I was like, oh my god, babe, look at these people. First, I was like, they're really sad. I feel bad for them. Like, you know, they're trying to crap on our love. But secondly, it it, it affected me because then it started to make man. Is my voice? Is my what is it about me? And then I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to let their projections and their insecurities start creating new insecurities in me. My voice is the way it is. God gave me this voice and it's done pretty well for my life. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Who I am, the person that I am, what I choose to express is uniquely me. And I found that after Pandas, when I started doing my, my solo music, 
That's when I was like, I'm going to say exactly how I feel. I'm going to say exactly what I think. I'm not going to freaking censor it. If I feel like saying this word, I'm going to say this word. And whoever finds my music and rocks with it is going to rock with the real me. Mm. They're going to rock with the real me. No versions of me. No, it does not matter at this point. I will no longer limit myself based on other people's opinions of me. It won't happen. And it's been like a good two years now since I've had that mentality. And I have found a home with people. I found a home with a lot of fans that are just like, thank you. Cause we were tired of the BS. We're tired of the, of the front. We just want some real. That's all we want is just be real with us. And I'm spreading my wings in that, you know, like I'm, yeah. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. And I'm, I'm diving in as honest as I can be. That's what our podcast is all about. It's all about life, love, and religion and the deconstruction of it all. Mm. You know, some of our most popular podcasts or episodes are the ones called the lie the church sold us. And, and we're not talking about that the church is a lie, but there's certain things that we all have been taught is scripture. That is not scripture. Yeah. You know, for me, it was like, you're, you can't dance at our church. If you're, if you're dancing at our way at a wedding, you can't have, you know, you can't have your wedding at our church. Uh, you're not allowed to drink. If you're drinking, you're not saved. Mm. Um, but forget about it. If you engage in any type of weed play, if there's any weed going on in your life, you are not saved. If you say a cuss word and they'll say a curse word, I don't say curse words because they're not. What is a curse word? word? You're cursing somebody. Curse is an actual curse. When you, when the Bible talks about a curse, when Jesus cursed the fig tree, he said, may you never bear fruit again. May you not feed anyone it's an actual he was speaking to the purpose of the tree which is to feed people that is a curse people that have come after me for cursing air quotes the irony is that they're actually cursing me because they think i'm cursing so they're telling me that i am not saved that i am not going to heaven that I do not, these are actual curses on my life that does not love me, that I, that I'm evil mm. because I'm cursing words that didn't exist back then. Yeah. They didn't even exist, but they unbeknownst to them are literally cursing me because they're talking over my destiny. They're talking my salvation. They're, they're pronouncing a curse over me because they think I'm cursing. Because I'm using words that they think are curse words. And I'm like, this is not curse words. You can, you can probably say in our society, this may be coarse language. But then again, it depends on what part of society you're in. Because if you're with a bunch of people, they, all they do is cuss. They're not going to be like, oh, what'd you say? Did you just say sh-? When they're out there like, this is our normal vernacular. Yeah. So that's when I started understanding that language is subjective. In London, you can't say the word fanny. Because in London, Fanny means huh. in America, Fanny is a way of saying a, a little kid has a cute bottom. Look at his little Fanny. How cute is that? Or Which, we wear Fanny packs. I think it's France. The word tabernacle is like a no-go. I don't Bro. even know what it means, but like there's a 
there's a great music venue here in Atlanta. It's like, oh, I'm going to Tabernacle. And I was reading through the comments on their page and there were people from, I think it was France. And they were just like, nah, bro, like that's not it. But Tabernacle is what is a church. Think about that though. Yeah. So that means that when you're looking at that Bible, you need to tell me what Jewish people thought was slander. You can't tell me we read the, we read the Bible as if it's American. So when they read those words, they're like, oh, what I think is a curse word is what he's doing. That's what the Bible's saying, because it's translated into my language and it says curse. So he's cursing. And I'm like, bruh, that Bible was not written in American. It was written in Jewish. It was transcribed in Hebrew, Aramaic and Greek. So when you can tell me what they thought was a bad word then we can talk but until then you're just telling me what america thinks is a bad word and america is not the ruler of the bible because then are we now to tell the people over there in europe no 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 we're gonna say fanny which is something that we would do because we're american no we're gonna say fanny because fanny means what we say it means is that what we're gonna say now like our language or our version of the language is the correct way you can't do that It all depends on what culture you're in. Language is completely subjective. And I made the example of like, you can use one word and it mean something and say the same word and it means something different. It all depends on your intent, which is really what Christ was saying when he was talking about man looks at the outward, but I look at the inward. So I can tell you, bro, I can be like you. I'll be like, bro, you're doing this little podcast. Man, that's, that's real cute, bro. Bless you. Yeah, And I'm yeah. communicating this little piece of crap podcast ain't doing nothing. Then there's bro. Thank you for having me on this podcast, bro. I freaking think you're doing amazing things. And I was blessed by our conversations. Freaking bless you. Then I just said, I believe in what you're doing. Same yeah. word, two different meanings. The only thing that changed was my intent towards you. So you can, I can never curse in my life and not mean a single word in one of my songs. And you think I'm making Christian music. How dumb do you look? How dumb do you look that there's songs that went number one and I know the people that sang them and then same people was walking to their hotel rooms with two different girls on their arms and they're married. And you're telling me that that song's anointed. And why am I not singing like that? But you want me to believe that you're right? Because I said in a song, now Jesus has left me, but I need to sing more like that guy who's cheating on his wife because he said Jesus five times in a song. You guys are freaking like, so all I got to do is say Jesus and that's it. How is that even biblical? So I can go hand the most satanic person in this world and say, Hey, I want you to sing this song from Hillsong. And because our church culture is like this, If you put it out, they will praise you. They will praise you because you're talking their language. They don't need to see you living your life. As long as you post the right things, say the right things, they're going to believe you love Jesus and they will buy your music. Bro, I'm just like, I can't. I'm sorry. I get so passionate because I'm just like, yeah. I've seen it play out and I'm just like, Jesus, don't ever let me go back. That's why I say I I would never go back. I would never, I would never, you could give me a million dollars and I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't go back to that industry. Cause I'm like, Hmm. once the blinds are off, I I can't pretend like 
this is real anymore. I can't pretend. And I started telling my wife, I was like, babe, from now on, when anybody ever comes at me on the internet, my response is going to be like, God don't care what you think. Hmm. It's going to hit you the wrong way initially. Cause you're going to think I'm saying God doesn't care about you. It's not what I'm saying. Is that biblically speaking, God does not care what your interpretation of my life is. God cares about what his interpretation of my life is. Hmm. It's a very personal thing. I can tell you all day that I don't believe that you love Jesus. Do you think God is up there like, well, they don't think you love Jesus, y'all. I guess we got to pull our anointing from him because all these little people on the internet are saying that he don't love Jesus. So I guess he don't love Jesus. Good thing they told me because I was, I didn't know if they didn't post it on his YouTube page, we wouldn't have known that he don't love Jesus. It's the same thing. What happened with Jesus when he was doing the sermon on the Mount, when he was telling people about, um, uh, what is it called? Communion. Yeah. He said, eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And the disciples, which were hundreds, they were in the hundreds. Most of them said, this is a hard saying that we do not understand because they're thinking he's saying, you got to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. So the Bible says that they left. They just heard what they wanted to hear. It didn't sound good to them. And they left. They didn't ask questions. They didn't want to see what he meant. They didn't want to stick around. They left the 12 state. And he said, do y'all want to leave too? And they're like, where will we go? We're with you, homie. Where will we go? We, we ain't going nowhere. We already bought into this thing that you're the Messiah. And he let them go. He let whoever they needed to go, go. That is literally how I handle my YouTube and all my socials. Hmm. I'm like, you come at me once and I'll give you one chance to show me that you actually care. I will respond and I'll be like, Sounds like you're really judging me. Do you actually care about me? The second I find out that you don't, God don't care what you think, block. Hmm. Your opinion of me will not edify me nor anyone on this page. All you're doing now is you're seeking to destroy what God is doing. Because if you yeah. love me, you would DM me and you would ask me in private, hey, what is, what is this new thing? And every time somebody has, bro, we've had this amazing conversation. And by the end of it, they're like... Thank you so much for taking time to talk to me. And I'm like, yeah, this is what, this is what church relationship is. This is what, this is what the family of God should be. It's crazy, bro. It's like you're building a community and it's beautiful. And what, what do you want people to know, like walk away from when they hear about Knights at the Round Table, your podcast? It's you, your homie. Angela at times sitting around sipping some wine, having some real conversations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just want people to know that the reason I call it nights at the round table is because, and it's called nights spelled N I G H T S like nighttime. And it's because we were doing this every week. We were having church. We were just meeting, having dinner and talking God. Sometimes it would bust into praise and worship. Sometimes it would bust into nineties music, but we were having all these talks and conversations about God. And I'm like, man, if people can hear this stuff, I really feel like they'll be blessed. And that's when it hit me. And I'm also a fan of King Arthur. So it's a play on the word, the Knights at the round table, but King Arthur, the reason he did a round table for Camelot is because he wanted to make sure that there was no head of the table Mm -hmm. to him, him and his Knights, his disciples, 
Um, there was no head. There was no king at that table. They all had an equal say. And I thought that was so beautiful for the king to come down and say, we all have an equal say in this. And so when I look at that, I transfer that to the world and I say, at this table, with these conversations, we all have an equal part. Everyone has a place here. It doesn't matter what you think or believe. You have a place here. And I'm not going to run you away because of old thoughts, old way of thinking. I'm going to hear you. I'm going to hear whether I agree or not. I will hear what you have to say because I believe everybody should have a place to call home. And they shouldn't be afraid to say stuff. They shouldn't be afraid to ask questions. Why? Why be afraid to question your faith? Why be afraid to question God? He's not afraid up there. He's not being insecure. Oh my God, you're questioning me. Now my whole, my whole kingdom is going to fall down. What? People have been questioning him since he was walking. They questioned him in his face. They questioned Jesus in his face. You think he's worried about us asking questions? He's out there healing people and casting demons out. And they're still saying, are you who you say you are? You really him, bruh? Because we thought you were going to come in power, not on no donkey. Are you really who you say you are? Because we, we, you, you looking real soft right now. You looking real soft. So I don't think Jesus is afraid of our conversation. He's not afraid, but we are. If you ask something that sounds off, man, you, you'd be called a freaking Satanist. And there's no room for that at nights at the round table. There's no room. We don't shy away from any conversation. We don't claim to be experts. The only thing we claim to do is offer a place where a free exchange of ideas can exist without the fear of judgment or dread. And God, when he gave me the idea of it, he spoke new church to me. That's what he said. He said new church. I never, ever would tell you that I want to be a pastor because I don't. I don't. I can't imagine the stress that goes into that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I have a lot of pastor friends and I just don't want it. Not, well, let's say I don't want it the way it has been shown to me that it has to be. Yeah. I feel like I'm still pastoring when it comes to this podcast, but it's a new wave. It's a pastor saying, I don't know anything. Yeah. But join me in trying to figure it all out. Join me in trying to figure it all out because you'll never hear me say, I know. The only thing I know is me. Like I know, I know that I'm Puerto Rican. I got some black in me and I got some Indian in me. I know that I'm dark skin. I know I got curly hair. This is stuff that I know. Yeah. Everything else I'm exploring and, and experiencing with the family. Mm. And that's the atmosphere that I try to create on that podcast. And it's working because a lot of people hit me up and they're like, we stopped going to church, but this has become our new church. Mm. I'm like, I'm glad. I'm glad that this is your new church. Not because I think that that means anything for me, but it means that you're asking the same questions we are and, mm. and finding God in the process is mm. beautiful, bro. It's so beautiful. Dude, I commend you for what you're doing. You guys can find Manuel at Manuel Reyes Media on YouTube. He's all over social medias. Don't go follow those fake fan accounts. Look for the verified <laughs> check. Um, Manuel, like this podcast is about real people, real topics, and real conversations. And that's exactly what this was. You were not filtered. You you're being genuinely you and I appreciate you for being authentic and not trying to mask yourself to fit any kind of mold. I know when you probably got the pitch for the show, you're like, Oh man, not no Christian show. And it's like, you know, I'm a Christian, but this isn't, 
I don't consider this a Christian podcast. Whereas if you call a plumber, like I'm not looking for a Christian plumber. Um, I just want to have real people talk about life, talk about their downfalls, talk about their successes, like where they messed up, where they did right. Like God's working in everyone Mm -hmm. and he's working in you right now. Knights of the Round Table, Manuel Reyes Media. Um, your wife isn't a Christian comedian. Somebody said, oh, Angela Johnson, that's the Christian comedian. I'm like, nah, she's clean. She's Christian, but yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't consider her a Christian comedian. Like, you ever seen Bon Cui Cui? Like, uh, yeah. I mean, like, God's using y'all in Hollywood, which is amazing for the first part. You don't see very many Christians succeeding in Hollywood. Yeah. And God's using y'all to do that. So keep doing what you're doing. Like, don't let people drag you down. Don't let people judge a book by its cover. Like, you're being authentic. You're being you. And I don't think you should change that ever. And you know that. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it, man. Keep doing you too, bro. I'm happy that you're you're chasing down purpose. I, I'm happy for anyone that can, they can climb out of the absolute... Um, crap of self-doubt of insecurity of the endless amount of naysayers that would love for you to just not keep going because it makes them feel a little better that someone else quit. Um, so definitely keep gain a true understanding of who you are in God and understand what the rules that you really are playing by. And when I tell you that God does not care what people think, understand what I say when I say that, because it'll, it'll set you free, bro. When you start looking at your relationship with God through other people's eyes, bro, it'll, it'll take you down really dark roads, man. And all of a sudden the voice, the the unique voice that he gave you is somehow filtered through people's insecurities and people's misunderstanding of scripture and misunderstanding of who God is just like, Literally, if somebody says something to you, God don't care what he thinks and mean that in the most kindest, like, Hey bro, this is personal, man. Like I got this relationship with this King that me and him talk and we don't talk through you. You know, the veil has been torn. I talk directly to my source. I don't need people telling me what they think God is doing in me. I'm talking to him. So understand that as you, as you head out, I just want to say that to encourage you or anybody who's listening, as you head out to do something for God, there's going to be more than enough people to tell you what you cannot do. It's going to be very few people that's going to be like, bruh, you got this. Man. You got this. So. And to tag onto that, dude, um, one of my really close friends reminds me all the time, like it's none of your business what anybody thinks about you. None at all. Like mm-hmm. their opinion doesn't matter. Um, just for people that are listening, even yourself, like take that with wisdom, take that from heart, from someone that's been there. Like I've seen comments that are degrading. You can go through a million positive comments on that one negative one's going to be the one that drags you down. So if you're struggling with insecurity, if you're struggling with suicidal thoughts, depression, don't listen to people's negativity. Go check out anthemofhope.org. Go check out Knights at the Round Table. Wherever you stream your podcast and on YouTube, check out Manuel Reyes Media. Go check out his solo projects with Pandas and Manuel. And we will talk to you guys next week. Hello, my name is Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we're the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, check us out, Life After Addiction Podcast. And you can subscribe at lifeaudio.com.